0: and remembering those verses. And this verse really tied into uh, our theme of what we talked about with the book of Daniel. Uh, so what I'm going to try and do is I'm just, we're just going to try and remember a little bit of, so you guys are going to have to help me out, a little bit of some of the bits that we talked about with regards to Daniel. So in that first, so the first day we looked at Daniel chapter 1 verses 1 to 7. Can anybody who was there remind me of what happened in those first seven verses? Anything at all that you can remember? Anything. Who was in it? Daniel was in it. Great. Okay, what else? Can you remember what happened? Yes? Right, so we had the people of Judah, and we had Babylon, and Babylon took the people of Judah away to Babylon, took them into slavery, uh, and they they were taken away, and they had to live in Babylon. Now, as we build this, you guys just shout out when you remember stuff. Uh, What did the Babylonians do to Daniel and his friends? What what did he do? Pardon? right so they were taken so Daniel and his friends were taken because they were from royalty they were attractive they were intelligent uh, and like like you guys and they were uh, put into service of the king. Uh, and they had their names changed. So they were effectively, because the Babylonians had taken them, in their view, their gods had conquered the Israelite gods, um, and they were now making them Babylonian, and they were put into the service of the king. And we looked at, on that first day, about how God was in control, even when it seemed like he might not have been. Oh, I I gave you the clue. Day two, we looked at from verses 3 to verse 21. So what happened, verses 3 to verse 21, day two. And we had the title of... Is it muted? How do I unmute it? Okay. Oh, there you go. Ah. <laughs> I hope you could still hear me. Um, day two. What happened after that? So they had taken to the service of the king. Uh, what then did they have to do? Can anybody remember? Do you know? No, they didn't get put in jail, Adrian. Right. Well, the king didn't want them to eat vegetables. What did the king want them to do? Right, so because they were the most intelligent, the most awesome, they were going to be advisors to the king. And the king said, you can eat from my table. The best wine, the best food, whatever it is that you want, you can eat it. And they said, vegetables and water, please. And the king's servants were really worried that they were not going to be as good as the others. They were going to be malnourished, that they weren't going to have the energy, that their brains would switch off or something. And what happened? What was the result after the 10-day trial period? They were healthier, they were better, they were more energized than any of the other advisors. Uh, and we saw that in that second day. So on the third day, so that was our, our food one. On the third day, um, another famous story from Daniel. What happened? It, this focused on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's friends. What happened to them? Do you remember in chapter three? Why did they get thrown into a furnace? Right, so Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, built this huge idol of himself. uh, And everybody had to bow down to this idol when the music played. Uh, And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to do that. They didn't feel they could do that. They knew that their God only wanted them to worship him. And they said to the king, no. And the king said, I'm going to throw you into a fire. And they stood before the king and they said, regardless of what you do to us, we will not renege on our belief. We will carry on following our God. No matter what you do to us, whether he saves us or not, we will carry on. And then on the last day, Daniel chapter 6, we had our probably the most famous story from Daniel. Can anybody remember Caleb? He got thrown in, Daniel got thrown into the lions then. Why? Do you remember what happened leading up to that? Go on then, Rebecca. Right, so the sneaky other, they're called satraps, the other guys who were kind of working with Daniel and and advising the king, they were jealous and they, they knew that Daniel prayed to his God repeatedly, continually. And they said to the king, hey king, you're worthy of all this praise, let's make a law that no one can pray to anybody or worship anybody except you. Uh, and the king thought oh yeah well that makes sense I'm kind of the king over the known world so the people should bow down to me. So then but Daniel refused to. He continued on praying to his god regardless of all this. Uh, and the king was tricked into making this law so then Daniel refused and he was thrown into the lions den overnight. And he got eaten, didn't he? What happened? Anyone? Shout it out. Go on Elizabeth. Right, God sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth and the next day the king rushed down after having a terrible night's sleep uh, because he was worried about Daniel and Daniel's God had saved him. So the key thing about Daniel was this, like the, the illustration with the football, he had someone that he was following, he had a leader, he had someone that he took his guidance from uh, and it's, it's kind of something we're used to, isn't it? In, in organizations, you have a line manager. In school, you have a teacher at home. You have your parents. In friendships, you probably kind of have a leader of your friendship group. And in sports teams, you have the same kind of idea. And as a player, one of your leadership figures is your captain. Your captain. So you could say that Daniel and his friends, they had a captain. The only way that Daniel and his friends knew how to make the right choices, knew what not to do or to do in any situation, was that they had a captain that they were following. They were shown how to proceed and how to navigate the situations that they were in. So think about for yourselves, I'm sure we've all played on a team at some point, whether you despised PE at school or not, you probably were in a team. What would be some characteristics of a captain? What, what should they be? Just shout them out, anybody, not just the kids, anyone, shout them out. What should a captain be? Confident, lead by example. Any others? Fair, experienced, watching everyone, wise. So we've, and here are a couple of other ones. They should, extra points for you, Chris. Lead by example, they should have experience. They should know the tactics of the game. They should know what they need to do, know what the game plan is. They should be able to teach the game plan to the team. They should be able to lead. They should be reliable. So this is kind of a tall order, isn't it, from a captain? Um, that's a pretty, pretty long list of abilities that they need to have. Now, in a sporting context, it's probably pretty achievable. Uh, we see lots of captains, don't we, all over the world in all our sports teams. They manage it. They, they, they manage to adhere to this kind of list of things that they need to do. But Daniel and his friends weren't playing sport. They weren't in a football team. This was life and death for them. Their decisions dictated whether they lived or not. This was real life. This isn't a fanciful fictional story. This is a historical real story that happened to real people at a real time. The Babylonian kingdom was a real kingdom that dominated the real world. These were decisions that they had to make. It would be as if Graham today was taken away into another country and had to make the decisions. Will you follow your God or will you not? And if you don't, you'll be killed. And actually, all around the world, North Korea, China, parts of Africa, parts of Europe, we see persecution, very real persecution that is happening today for people. So this isn't a fanciful story. This is real stuff. So why did they actually need a leader? Why, why do we actually need leaders to, to help and to guide us? Can't we figure this stuff out on our own? Well, the Bible tells us that at the very beginning, God made everything perfect. He made it all perfect and he was pleased with it. But something happened to that. S- that something corrupted that perfection, which led to this thing that we call sin. And when we say sin, we mean a condition that affects everyone, every person, everything, the whole universe. Sin literally is anything that is against God's plan, against his way uh, of of doing things. And all we have to do is we have to look at our world and we see signs of it. We see death, we see destruction, we see the degradation of relationships between people. We see a lack of love between people, different people groups. We see breakdowns in society at all levels. We look at our world and we see the evidence of sin everywhere. It corrupts everything and everyone. And Romans 3 says this. There is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one that's not affected by this. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. So as a race... We're in a bit of a dire predicament. We need this leader. We need somebody that we can follow. So it stands to reason that as we're all in the same predicament, we're all in the same situation, we need someone outside of our situation who is able to help us. If you have a drowning person, you you tend to not have another drowning person to try and save that drowning person. You need someone outside of the situation, someone unaffected by that state. We need someone who can overcome what we cannot. Our captain, our guide throughout this life must be someone perfect. As we said, for Daniel and his friends, all they needed was someone that they could rely on all the time. All the time. As parents, as friends, as cohabitors of this world, can we say that we're perfect any of the time? Let alone all of the time? Can we say that our motives are ever truly altruistic? As leaders of our families, as leaders at work, as leaders in friendships, as captains of sports teams. Can we ever say that we really, really lead perfectly? Does Romans 3 ring true with us? Does with me? As a dad, as a husband, as a son. I, 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 I'm aware of my imperfection all the time. And if you need proof, you can ask my wife. She'll tell you. So we need someone who fits the captain's criteria for our lives, someone who is always reliable, someone who always knows the game plan, someone who is never surprised by the tactics of the enemy, someone who is never weak, who is never lacking in patience, who isn't out for their own gain, and who loves us completely and truly. We need someone who meets all of that criteria. And you will never, ever find anyone on this world who meets this criteria. They don't exist. They don't exist. So think for a moment about what you base your life on, whether you're five or six, or whether you're 50 or 60 or above. What do you base your life on? Who do you follow? What ethic or philosophy do you use to determine what's right or wrong in your life? What is there in your life that you live by? Is it truly fulfilling? Has it ever let you down? Has it ever brought you true happiness? Is there anything on this planet that is not fallible or temporary or only partially satisfactory? So how did Daniel and his friends have such confidence? Remember what they did. They stood in front of the key ruler of the largest empire in the world at the time. They stood before him and they defied him. And they said, I'm not going to do what you do. And they didn't do it in arrogance. They did it in humbleness before God. And they said, it's because we're following someone who meets a greater criteria than you. They had such confidence in what they had put their life in that they would stand and be willing to die for it. How many of us, how many of other religions would, would say that they are that confident in the truth? They needed what we would call a true captain.
1: This is the captain. the leader leading from the front not merely a spectator in the battle an observer in the fight he's a player a participant side by side with his teammates he has authority to speak as he walks in his teammates shoes This is the captain. Yeah! Doing work and scene, making sure it all comes together. He is focused on the goal. Strategizing, making the big decisions, the important decisions, representative of his team. This is the captain. motivating, encouraging, inspiring. With a stirring team talk, an inspirational shout, a bold challenge. With a quiet word, a hand of encouragement, and by example, this is the captain. Calling him to stand firm, to work together to accomplish his mission pushing him to go, to put it all on the line for the cause, for the victory. This is our captain, the captain. This is Jesus, the one who calls us to follow him, to join his team, to help in his mission. Our great captain, our great leader, our great king.
0: So for, the, for Daniel, his captain was the God of the Jews, the God that we see throughout the whole Bible, the same God who came to earth in human form and was known by the name Jesus, who was able to be both fully God and fully man, which was the only way that he was able to do what he had come to do, which was to wipe out the power of the sin that we mentioned before, to become, as we mentioned this week, a substitute for us to take our place. He literally steps into our place to take the punishment for the sin in our lives. As we heard before, sin is a deviation from God's plan. And it's not just that, it's actually an attack on who God is, on who he fundamentally is because he is perfect. And just like any attack on any king in any part of history, the only result of an attack on a king is death. The result of sin is death. So the penalty had to be paid. And Jesus speaks of himself in this awesome way, in this leadership term, not as a captain, but as a shepherd, as leader of sheep. And he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me. Even as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And then also Paul talks about it in in 1 Corinthians, this clear thing. For what I have received, I passed on to you as a first importance, first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Christ fulfilled all that the Bible had foretold that he would. Jesus is the only one qualified to be our captain. He is the only one with the correct skill set. He is the only one who is able to save us from the worst loss that we could ever be subjected to. That's why Daniel trusted God. That's why his three friends and he were able to stand before this all-powerful king and defy him. That's why we are able now to have confidence as we live in this world that is falling apart. That's why we can still have joy in this world that is falling apart because Christ is our captain and as the video said the question is will we follow him if you're a believer today will you continue to follow him when the world tells you that you're a fool or that you're stupid or that you're wasting your life because you're you're following it's something that doesn't exist that you're not what the world wants you to be will you stand like Daniel did in front of the face of, of the world and hold up against all the pressures that come on you. When you have those terrible days, when things are going wrong, when we're in despair, when we're struggling, which we do as believers, will you continue on? Daniel was faced with, with certain death, as were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were able to stand. But if you're not a believer, if you're not a believer today, will you consider what you've heard? Will you ask the question, maybe of someone who is a believer, why, why do they believe what they believe? Ask them why they trust this God that claims to love them so much. Ultimately, if we're searching for someone to lead us, someone to trust our lives with, someone who you are going to bank everything on, Jesus is the only viable option. And the only question that we need to answer today is this, will we follow him? Let's pray. Father God, you are a good, gracious, and kind God. But Lord, there had to be a price for us going against you. And rather than make us pay it, you sent your son to give us free access to you, to be in eternal relationship with you. And Lord, we struggle. As Christians, we struggle. And there are difficult times and we deal with disease and illness and all of those kinds of things, just like everybody else. But Lord, we're so thankful that you are able to make a way through that. Father, I just pray that as we think about this today, as we think about who our captain, who our leader is, that we would come to the right conclusion. That You would open our minds and help us to understand what it is that you're trying to do through your salvation plan to draw us into relationship with you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.